Once again, to another exciting episode of That Horror You Know, the podcast. I'm Darren. I'm Trent. And I'm Ian. And we're minus another Ian right now, but he might come on a later episode. Uh, We are... (laughs) Not like that. (laughs) (laughs) We are uh, three guys uh, just kind of hanging out in my basement right now. So it's on a Friday night kind of boring <laughs> your intros are so awkward <laughs> i know because you guys are texting and just I'm looking at sorry, one I'm, dude's looking at me i'm trying to get out of here should i not look at you i won't look at you all right take three i'm looking over there at knob and masturbating in the corner oh wow <laughs> to all this <laughs> wow okay right, i won't look at you anyway uh we're doing a uh we're doing another Spielberg production this week, and it's kind of spooky time, so we're doing a ghost kind of episode. So what do you think of that? We're going to do Poltergeist. Spielberg, if you want to sponsor this podcast, give us a call. Please. I'm just saying. That's what, two uh, two movies out of the first three that we've done? Give yeah. us a call. You got our number. I mean, we did Jaws as our first major episode after, after the intro episode, and... It was a pretty cool time. It's one of my favorite movies. Poltergeist, I picked again, being one of my favorite movies. Uh, he produced it, so we're going to talk about that and talk yeah, about well, the controversy. You're only saying that because you haven't seen Cruel Jaws. I have not seen Cruel Jaws. <laughs> I have actually seen Cruel Jaws. <laughs> you guys have not seen Cruel Jaws. Oh, damn. Well, I fucked that up. All right, well, <laughs> sorry to be so cruel. Okay, so I got a new one for you because I love those like ripoffs from other foreign countries. And there's uh you you've obviously seen the Rambo Rampage ripoff from Turkey, right? Yeah. With the grenade launcher and everything. My favorite though that I've just found out about is the Incredible Bulk. Have you heard of this movie? No. The Incredible Bulk. <laughs> now fantastic. you can watch, you got you listeners at home. Somebody thought of this apparently in Hollywood, and they did a five-day shoot. In a green screen warehouse. So they actually paid for getting green screen done. And some CGI paid up and coming actors that want to be, I'm assuming SAG actors there in Hollywood because they're not very good. Uh, paid them money for five days to do the incredible bulk. You need to watch this film. It is on Tubi TV for free. And it's a full length feature film of <laughs> is the, that the tagline that's that the should be it's the worst it's the worst cgi i've ever seen like imagine like windows 92 cgi but oh. modern day it's like 2020 uh, reminds me, it isn't it about exactly what i think yeah it's, it should it's not but it should be he's actually naked like in the porno scene. version of it is so bad Every scene is CGI rooms. I'm the bulk, baby. You wouldn't like me when I get horny. <laughs> like, it's not, like, imagine me and you, like, f- 
photoshopping oh, the worst God. Photoshop session we could think of, and then trying <laughs> to set <laughs> trying to set actual real people into that Photoshop session. It's horrible. It is bad. The Incredible Bulk. Watch it. Incredible Bulk. Wow. Anyway, now going on. Original. But that's not what we're here for. That's not what we're here for. Uh, We're here for Poltergeist. We're going to talk about Poltergeist. Well, I'm here for the bulk. So here's the here's the uh, here's kind of the backstory to Poltergeist. Uh, Spielberg wanted another film, but right at the same time, they were about ready to have a strike, so he couldn't direct this film. So he got Toby Hooper to direct it, which is his fame came from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a classic horror film, kind of based on true events. We might go over that sometime, but uh, he produced this film and had a lot of clout at the time with some of his early early films. But this movie is kind of based on a true story, so I'm going to go on the lowdown for the true story. Have you heard any of this yet? Probably. Probably, you mean the true story? True story behind Poltergeist. No, no, that's why I'm here. All I'm right. here to learn. That's what we're here. The more you, I'm like the audience surrogate of this show. Just <laughs> so... like I'm here to learn, just like everyone else, and that's why he's got his hands up on his knees. Yeah. He's leaned forward. <laughs> it's like story time at the library. He brought me an apple. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. So this story is about the Herman family, and they're from Seaford, Long Island, and this happened uh, uh, You're early. In the Hermans? Early 1950s. No, no. Yeah, not the not the Munsters, the Hermans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not the Herman Munsters. Gotcha. So uh, anyway, this is a, this is a conservative family on the on the East Coast, very conventional household in every way you could imagine, right? Uh, three kids, wife, picket fence, kind of thing. Anyway, uh, they were about as bread and vanilla as you could think of and describe them. So. Uh, the father, James Herman, was 43 years old at the time, and he's a former Marine Corps uh, sergeant, and he served in the Pacific Theater during World War II. So this guy, you know, when you tell stories like this, I like to find out about the people themselves because you want to find out if they're trustworthy. You know, can you trust their their sightings of UFOs? Can you trust their <laughs> ghost sightings? Well, yeah, you, you, well you always got to assume people are full of shit. Yes, that's the first thing you think of. Yeah. Oh, I saw a ghost. You're full of shit, bro. Yeah. So, like, to your to what you just said, like, I want to believe, but at the same time, there's always going to be that hint of doubt. Like, all right, come fucking on. Like, yeah. Really. Yeah. Uh, but you want to believe because it's a cool story. Yeah. So I at least am intrigued by the story itself because I'm like, you know, what, even if you made that up, that's a cool fucking story. Yeah. And I'll roll with it. Um, it's it's seventy thirty for me though whether I'm going to believe you yeah. or not. So, so this goes even further into describing who they were. They were strict Catholics. Now, oh, yeah. if you know anything about the Catholic I already religion, don't trust them. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not trying to <laughs> trying to dog dog so, on the so you're Catholic they were religion. Drunk all the time. Out. <laughs> uh, quarter of our audience just left. Please come back. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the Catholics just grabbing another round there, and they're coming right back. Don't worry. The Catholics have talked about exorcisms and stuff uh, for centuries, so it's like. Right away, you you see that religious thing. It's kind of a red flag to me. Is immediately when I saw that when I was reading. You know, I mean, but you know, I'm going to suspend belief. Let's move on. Uh, he was an employee of Air France, though, so he was actually like working for. Uh, you know, I'm assuming he did some flying in World War II. So, um, and then he was. Uh, I'm sorry. What he was on salary. He was, was a policeman for a while. 
in his what, community. What was the year so, on this? I'm sorry. Uh, 1953, I think. Okay, so it was definitely early 50s. I actually did not write it down. I'll have to look that up but, on a break. But we know it's around the 50s. Yeah, okay. It, this was like a few years before the Lutz's uh, Amityville horror thing, and it okay. actually is less than four miles away. No so, shit. So really close, right? What are the odds? Hmm. The, the gates what of hell are, are pretty, they run. <laughs> what are the odds, Trent? Calculate them. This is cool. <laughs> You're let, me, the let me fact guy. check this. <laughs> you went for informatics? What is that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, his wife, he had, he had a wife named Lucille, and she was a 30-year-old homemaker. Um, so he was 13 years her senior, a little bit older, a little bit wiser. Um, she was once a head nurse at St. Luke's Hospital in Manhattan. So they've moved around a lot, had a lot of very important jobs. So that, you know, a lot of things about this family should say that it's a true story. You know, why would they make it up, right? Yeah, that's that's true. But why would anybody make anything up? Why is anybody well, full of shit? Back then, I wouldn't think you would make too many things up like that because you can't get, like, insta-fame like you could now. Well, okay, that's a good point, too. I was going to say they'd probably burn you with a stake, but that's not the 1700s. We're not that far back. <laughs> Took about wrong decades here. Burn him! <laughs> a lot of 50s oh stake yeah, wood burnings. I mean, you think about the jobs they had, though. I mean, they could the they could get in trouble pretty quick for things they would say. So they had Especially to be with the church? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. So they had a 13-year-old. Uh, they had actually two children, not three. They had a 13-year-old, Lucille, which was named after the wife, Lucille. They called her Lucy. And 12-year-old James Jr. So these were pretty uh, proud parents that decided to name both kids after themselves. <laughs> <laughs> which, honestly, like is like, who the fuck are you? But at the same time, I think that was really common back then. Yeah, I'm glad maybe I didn't they, get my dad's name. My dad's name was Vernon. Oh man! <laughs> it's a I weird wish name. Your name was Vernon, right? Now. Vernon. Maybe they just weren't very like creative Vernons. back then. True. If your name was Vernon, I would imagine you over there with like a corn cob pipe <laughs> and are you rib on? Right. <laughs> Vernon. Anyway, welcome but, to the podcast. I'm Vernon. <laughs> <laughs> you call me Vern, like in a. I would so call you Vern. Vern. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like in a what's that? What's that movie with the little kids? They find the dead body. Stephen King book. Stand by me. Stand by me. Vern. He's the one that got picked on all the time. I was thinking of uh, Vern. Ernest goes to jail. <laughs> no one I mean Vern. <laughs> Which quite possibly is one of the greatest thespians of the eighties and nineties. Yes. Would you agree? Yeah. Very influential thespian. Oh. <laughs> okay, so they lived at sixteen forty eight Redwood Path in Seaford, Long Island. Ironically, this three bedroom home is located a mere Four miles. So I was right on that. Northwest of 112 Ocean Avenue. Obviously, if you know jack shit about anything in the ghost world, that is the Amityville Horror House. Okay. Uh, that was where the Lutz family, Lutz family, whatever you want to call the them. Lutz. We will be talking about that on a later episode, but they uh, said they were haunted by uh, the ghosts of basically people that were murdered there. So... Talk about this. Uh, could be a coincidence, though. You know, I mean, we'll discuss that later on. But it's kind of weird that they were around the same time. Uh, I think after this happened, that family more than likely was influenced by that story. Obviously, because it was so years this was later. first, and then Amityville this was first. Was later. Yes. 
So they're the original owners of this house, and they'd lived there for five years without any incident. So on Monday, here, here's where some dates come in. Monday, February 3rd, 1958. So we're talking late 50s. Late 50s, okay. Okay, we're still in the 50s. Still in the 50s. It was just another winter day when the temperature dipped below freezing. At around 3.30 p.m., Lucille Herman was sitting in the living room with her daughter and son, and they were suddenly startled by a series of loud pops in a rapid succession succession throughout the house so just loud popping all over the house and remember this is a multi-story home so they were looking around you could almost envision their surprise right i'd be pretty surprised if something was popping in my home yes beside my knees <laughs> kid just comes around the corner with a bag of popcorn what's <laughs> problem <laughs> where you all look so freaked out <laughs> johnny you dick <laughs> james Right. James, 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 you little dick. James Jr. So, uh, wondering what was going on, Lucille and the children went everywhere around the house trying to discover what had caused the noises. They discovered that caps had popped off of all the bottles throughout the house. Oh, so, shit. seemingly exploding in the bathroom, bottles of, of shampoo, uh, bottles under the sink, everything had popped. Okay? That's uh, Including... Including, now remember they were Catholic, a bottle of holy water had tipped over and spilled on a dresser. Now, why they had holy water on a dresser and holy water period, For I don't moments know. Moments like this. I'm not Catholic. Do you do you know Catholics? Do they carry holy water around or have it in their house? I don't uh, know. Back then? <clears throat> Excuse me, I couldn't tell you. I, no, now, not that I know of in their house, but honestly, like I think it depends on how Catholic someone is because some of them claim Catholicism, but at the same time, like, don't practice it yeah. uh, to the extent that, you know, you probably should if you're claiming that religion. I don't mean to get on a religion tent. I really don't. Uh, but uh, it, more of the stories, I don't think they all have holy water on them. <laughs> I've never seen somebody walk through the grocery store and pull out some holy water and be like, devil, and just throw it on someone. But I'm going to do that now. I mean, maybe if they were really, really devout, you know, I could see why you would always want to have some near you. Yeah. I don't know. And I'm I don't not, know if it's well, superstitious. Kind of, yeah. It's more more of a spir- spiritual thing, probably like used during ritual prayer or Possibly. something. Well, yeah, but I'm, oh, okay. I, I thought you meant like if you were just going. I thought you meant like if you were just going to the grocery store and you had it in your purse. No, she. It said she had it's it on a bureau, and it was like <laughs> it really freaked her out because it was like it was like laying over on its side, spilling out on the bureau. Okay. Oh, so in. like in the home. I thought yes. she meant like if somebody carried on them at all times and she's like at somebody's no. house and then it's, oh no, they're possessed. Does anybody have any fucking holy water? And she's just like, my time to shine, <laughs> baby. Right here. No, I would, in a flash. I would freak out if like a bunch of Catholics were like, does anybody have any fucking holy water? And just like screaming Boy, the F you gotta, you gotta think, if somebody's possessed in front of you, you're gonna scream the F bomb, man. Yeah, probably. I, I will run. I will never sit there and look at anything like that. I, I want to see like a movie where somebody's really devout Catholic. I want to see it in the movie. I don't want to see it in person because I don't want anybody possessed to be in front of me. But a movie where somebody goes, anybody have any fudging holy water? <laughs> I just don't think it's going to happen. Gosh darn it. <laughs> Dang it all the heck. She's possessed. You guys like sound like you're from Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> She's possessed. Hey, where's your... Hey, James. <laughs> James, will you keep your holy water, yeah? <laughs> they don't sound anything like that. We're going Canadian now. Holzer. <laughs> Holzer. 
Okay. Oh, man. So bottles of medicine, shampoo, everything was found That's open and lying on their sides in the bathroom. Liquid starch was in the kitchen and bleach was all over the cellar. So they went to every room in the house checking this out. And it was at every level. What a right? weird ghost. Yeah. What a strange boulder, guys. He, he popped his bottles. He, I mean... It's like 50 cent. Maybe he was a 50 cent type ghost. He's bottles. popping bottles everywhere. Uh, I can understand exploding in a bathroom, if you know what I mean. But not like <laughs> shampoo bottles and stuff. That's so... I think Jimmy was just covering up maybe his first like sexual experience <laughs> at 13. Oh, it was the ghost. It was the ghost. I don't know why there's yeah. lotion all over the ceiling. Oh, man, a lo- he covered me. <laughs> Fucking ghost. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, that's the third time this week. My name is James. <laughs> So, bringing up Jimmy and Jimmy's Jimmy, uh, Jimmy's room had a ceramic Davy Crockett doll and a model ship that had been... (laughs) Fucking why? It was the 50s. Davy Crockett (laughs) was important. It's an American hero, you son of a bitch. He was on TV, damn it. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. So, it was smashed to smithereens. So, apparently, this model ship and a Davy Crockett ceramic doll <laughs> had been smashed by those right. poker guys. So, all right, hold on. Let's fucking let's talk about it. So, so far, quick recap. So, this poltergeist has popped all the bottles in the house, shampoo, yeet bottles. So, all the bottles are popped, and then you're telling me this thing just strolls into the room, sees this Davy Crockett figurine, and it's like. Fuck, smacks it off the table. Yeah. What? That's what I'm saying. What? I, I don't know. Oh, man. What, what's funnier than that is your description that he strolls anywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're acting like this poltergeist just walking around. Hey, buddy. That Conor McGregor walk. <laughs> We've got no proof otherwise. No. No. Yeah. Okay. So he smashes the, the okay. figurine. Lu- Lucille calls her husband James immediately. Okay. Freaks out at work. She tells him what happened. He was a little concerned, but thought it could wait until he got home. He's like, "Is anybody hurt?" And they were like, "No." So I'll be home later. I'll check it out. So they sit there and wait for him. Once home from work, he checks the various rooms in the house and finds no explanation at all for all the strange occurrences. They left the house the way it was. And he just kind of comes in and is kind of upset. Obviously, his house is a shambles of <laughs> shampoo everywhere. But I was uh, gonna take the best shower ever. Yeah. So he's kind of pissed, but like he he doesn't. Where's he doesn't my do head and they clean up. I don't know if that was in the fifties. So three days later, at three thirty p.m. on Thursday, February sixth, at the uh, the exact same thing happened. So it was about the same time. The exact same thing happened again with another incident occurring the next day. It wasn't until 10.15 a.m. on Sunday morning that James witnessed anything for the first time. So the dad now sees it, okay? Okay. He found the holy water again spilling onto the bedroom floor and some caps missing from bottles of starch and turpentine. 45 minutes later, when he was standing near the bathroom talking to his son, Jimmy, James observes two bottles near the sink suddenly and simultaneously at the... At the same time. Why the fuck would I say that? Simultaneously means at the same time. <laughs> Simultaneously. <laughs> at the same time. I appreciate you. I appreciate you clarifying. I did. Oh, I, I took English in high school. So at the same time, they... The more you know. <laughs> the more you know. Uh, they, they flopped into the sink, shattering. I don't know why it says flopped. <laughs> flopped in the sink. So I'm assuming they lifted up and fell into the sink from a higher distance than what they were. What they just it? didn't slide. Right? What is this? 
bottles, they were, okay. Bottles like turpentine. It just says two bottles near the sink. So he's talking to Jimmy in the bathroom. He's at the door, and he sees these two bottles move and then jump into the sink. They flop into the sink. Like a fish on land. That's what I'm assuming. Uh, The first slid about a foot and a half, shattering into the sink, while the second slid more than a foot, then toppled onto the floor. So one went into the sink, one went went to the floor. So maybe two slightly different directions. From the sink. Well, that and if if one hit hit inside and the other like hit the edge, I could see it yeah. hitting and flopping yeah. out. What was turpentine used for in the fifties? Why would somebody keep that on standby? Are they Pain, waxing a surfboard? Painting maybe. Okay, gotcha. Like I mean, maybe they're cutting down. Like you could use turpentine as a thinner, or you could take okay, paint, gotcha. paint off of surfaces. I don't know. It's always weird because like and I try maybe to they like, drink it. I try, it was... I try to imagine these. <laughs> trying to imagine these scenarios, but since like. Spoiler alert, I wasn't alive during the 50s. I know. What? I know. Um, it was only a couple years before you were alive. You're just, older than me, right? Just give it, give or take. Yeah, well, I think my skeleton is. <laughs> so, okay. So We'll cut there. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, three days later, where are we at? I'll have to cut this out. Okay, here we go. Officer James Hughes uh, was called from the Nassau County Police. Everyone was named James back then? Everybody was yes. James. His wife's name was James. Probably a very, com- <laughs> very common name. Uh, James? Yes, James? So Nassau Hi, County James. was tel- telephoned. They dispatched James Hughes on the case. As he arrived, he was questioning the family when he was interrupted by more popping sounds within the house. So according to a police report by 32-year-old Nassau County detective Joseph Tozzi, T-O-Z-Z-I, He's going to dip his toesies in this case. (laughs) Dad joke. (laughs) Anyway, Hughes entered the bathroom to find the same two bottles of shampoo and medicine tipped over again with the caps blown off. So I don't know why they just keep on picking up these bottles and put them in the same spot after they clean up, but it did again. Uh, They toppled over, caps blown off. During the next few days, the popping activity became more frequent and extreme. On Tuesday, February 11th, Detective Tozy was assigned to the in- investigate the case full time. I can't take him seriously, Tozy. <laughs> so wait, 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 wait. Stop for a second. I, I hate to interrupt. They keep putting them back on. They put the caps back on, but and just, it's like they just put them in the same place. But like, okay, just leave them, and then see if maybe it stops. Yeah. Well, you're you just like your tea, out, you're Trent. teeing the ghost back up every time. <laughs> I'm gonna put this back. Don't. T- and then it's just like, <laughs> I mean it this time. Like I would just like either leave them off or get rid of all and just, you know, see if anything else happens. Trent's like, I'll show you. I won't bathe anymore. <laughs> I don't know. You like that? Now, First of all, I would, be out, I would be out of this house after day one. And then there are yeah. already a couple, what, weeks You're just like, what's point? going? Well, it's like four couple, days. Oh, so four or five days. Okay. I don't know. If it's something like. If I go home and all my shampoo bottle lids have popped off, I'm not going to be like, it's time to move. Like, it's th- that's not that bad. But, I mean, like, it doesn't describe how the... But it keeps doing it every day? <laughs> yeah. It could be worse. <laughs> just your shampoo bottles. And your turpentine. I don't even have turpentine. I'm not concerned about the shampoo. I think I'm going to be so turpentine. You'd think the little kids and the mom would be more upset, though. It never mentions how their reactions were after the initial reaction. Well, and obviously yes. it's Maybe like, that's just not in the police report, but... And you keep saying it's like a loud popping, right? So they're hearing yeah. it happen. So, I mean, that'd just be like, you know, if you're in your house and you hear noises and you don't, you can't account for it. Like, it'd freak you out. Like, yeah. 
Even if you thought it was like an intruder in your house, like a human, let alone a ghost. So I just, I don't know. What if it was? Somebody was actually just running in there. Every time I would be going about my business in my house, and all of a sudden you start hearing the popping, that would just like, I don't know, send chills down my spine or something. I mean, yeah, it's inconvenient. But I'm just saying, like, is it move away worthy? Agree to disagree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. Here we Pop go. Pop all the fucking shampoo bottles in your house. So uh, that same day, Detective Tozy was assigned to investigate full-time. A perfume bottle flew off of Lucy's dresser. So Inspector Tozy actually saw this happen. Uh, a few days later, he was sent some of the bottle. He sent some of the bottles to a police lab in New York uh, State. Uh, right after, more things continued within the home, including many bottles flying off. The shelves and the holy water falling on its side. James's cousin eventually, Marie Martha. So, yeah, he sent it to a lab to what get tested. What do you think he was going to pull off of it? Ghost fingerprints? No, I think it, they're trying to see if, like, uh, pressure was causing it or if there's oh, something okay. something the people were doing. They're trying to figure out what's causing it. Okay. So, so this is the story had kind of spread within the town and newspapers got a hold of it. Uh relatives of these people kind of started hearing the stories. And so this Marie Martha, which is James's cousin, the dad's cousin, uh, decides to come visit them. And she showed up around seven forty one night. She was in the living room watching TV with the family when she saw a porcelain statue jump off of the coffee table next to the couch and then suddenly fly up in the air and land on the rug. So this freaked her out. She immediately said, I'm, I'm out. She thought it was fake. She wanted to see what was up. Decided to have this fake visit. I don't know why they even let the woman in. That's kind of a weird part of the story. You know, it's like, oh, cousin Martha, I haven't seen you in forever. Come in and watch TV Come with on us. Come in. Come to yeah. our haunted house. Come to our haunted house. And then she's like, see something. She's like, I'm out. I, I almost feel like that's a fake part of the story. I don't know. Yeah, that's the fake part of the yeah. story. <laughs> no, it sounds weird. Yeah, it is kind of weird that Aunt... Cousin Martha. It's like they're building the story up or something, getting more yeah. witnesses to it. Well, if you don't believe it, just ask Martha. She's <laughs> yeah. seen it. We've got all of us in the household. Inspector, Inspector Tozy. And then Martha was there? Martha? So this activity at their residence eventually hit the, all the papers, like I said, and was wired to media outlets across the United States. So reporters started showing up to their home. And we're trying to interview the family and catch sight of something supernatural. Letters came in from all over wanting to help or explaining similar problems in their own home. One letter came from a Mrs. Connolly of Massachusetts that explained that she had dealt with a similar problem in her home. And she discovered that the cause was a strong downdraft coming from their chimney, uh, causing pressure and making the bottles pop. She said that all they had to do to fix it was to add a metal chimney cap on it to cut down on the wind coming through. So they thought, you know, let's try it. Uh, it was only like a few bucks. They went and put it on top of their chimney. Still happened. So nothing was fixed. So that, that, starts, the, uh, that starts the snowballing effect of people trying to figure out what's going on. Okay, so hear me out. Here we go. Okay. Okay. Many different religious figures started coming out of the woodworks to the residence. <laughs> the first was Father William McLeod of Seaford's Church, which was in town. On Monday, February 17th, the priest arrived to bless the house after assuring the family he had filed a request to perform a formal exorcism. So 
immediately he's like, we're going to exercise this house. So apparently <laughs> exorcisms were pretty big back then. That, I was going to say, I didn't know you can exercise a whole fucking house. Yeah. That's pretty cool. He was he was doing an exorcism on this house. Like he was gonna he blessed the house. He filed for a formal exorcism. Okay. I don't I thought you could just exorcise people from demons, but apparently not. I don't know. That was what I thought too. I don't feel like it like the Catholic Church would take this very seriously and be like, oh, it's just a bunch of bottles popping. They could be like uh, you know, other anomalies. Let's check in out first. Is possessed. <laughs> Go straight to possession. Anyway, okay. Uh <laughs> After he blessed, after he blessed the house, he went room to room reciting, "O heavenly Father, Almighty God, we humbly beseech thee to bless and sanctify this house, and may the angels of the light dwell within the walls, while flicking holy water and encouraging good spirits to drive out the malevolent counterparts." Did the shampoo bottle start hissing at this? Obviously, it didn't work. (laughs) It kept on happening after he left. So. Yeah, it just it doesn't make sense at this point, like why he did that. I'm sure they're like, let's let him try it. You know, they were Catholic. Well, I was gonna say, if you're the family, I think any at this point you would try anything. Yeah, and that's because it's been happening for multiple yeah. days, and that's not that big of a deal. Like, it's not like it, it would cost him a lot of money or like anything. It's cheaper yeah. than moving. It's like, oh, we'll just have him come over and exercise. I feel the like house. though, <laughs> people in the community find out you just brought a priest over to. Bless your house because there's evil spirits. You're gonna lose a lot of friends, it, right? Well, I mean, or would you want them? To, would you want to go that to that place to see it? I might want to go, like an attraction, some yeah. of some sort. Like charge them five dollars a person. I want to see this. Stuff. Come in and watch the shampoo. We're still on for explode. spades on Thursday, right? Huh? Wait, <laughs> guys, guys, why are you shutting your blinds? <laughs> <laughs> that was such a funny scenario. <laughs> okay. So uh, the next day, a stranger in a blue suit strolled into their house without speaking a word to anybody. Wait, he <laughs> just walked in? Just walks in. This guy walks That's in. creepier than the shampoo blue bottles. No. He began looking around as if making detailed observations. The family had become just, a... Mm, stroking his chin, <laughs> staring at... Mm, yes. Mm. The family had become accustomed... That's a wall. <laughs> They were accustomed to strangers visiting them unannounced at this point. So, like, walking in their house, people though? were knocking on the door, looking in windows, trying to take pictures. It was, it was just kind of a, a circus. They would lock their doors at this. I know. I, I would think. So they thought he's simply just another journalist trying to get a story. Right, but and I'm, I'm saying like he, it has become so common at this point for somebody to just walk into your fucking house, like. It's a different lock time. Lock the door. Let's just say it's a different time. Yeah, I don't know. Lock the they didn't, they didn't know what a serial killer was at this point. So still, he was walking into the the kitchen or no, the dining room. He was walking into the dining room and they were about ready to say something when all of a sudden he falls to his knees. He collapses to his knees, spending ten minutes without talking to them while they're asking him who you are, who are you, and what do you want. In prayer. So he's praying for 10 straight minutes. This is better. I thought you meant he was just fucking staring like the Manchurian candidate down there. No. (laughs) Eyes wide open. (laughs) So he's praying without acknowledging their existence around him for 10 straight minutes. Sounds legit. And he said he was a, when he finally came up, he said he was a holy man from a town called Morich, which is 45 minutes east of Long Island. He declared that everything was all right and that they were forgiven now. He left without saying another word. What? Imagine that shit. You're forgiven. See, that's what I'm saying. That's more terrifying than forgiven. the shampoo bottles. So nothing came out of that. Kept on happening. 
none of this crap had any effect on uh, any of the hauntings whatsoever, or poltergeist, whatever you want to call it. The next day, Wednesday, February 19th, the detective was in the basement when he heard a crash upstairs. Rushing up the ground floor, Tozy found a broken porcelain figure on the floor that was in a vacant room. The statuette had previously stood on the small table next to a sofa approximately 10 feet away. Jimmy was sitting in the dining room diligently finishing his homework. The house had creaky floorboards, so the detective said that he would have heard Jimmy's footsteps if he'd moved from his seat. Many people thought that it could have been Jimmy or even one of the others in the house playing pranks, but it was never proven. So this is one of the theories that people were throwing out there already, that Jimmy was going through some rough times, apparently, and it could have been like pranks and stuff. So remember that later. Another theory brought in uh, by a radio corporation called Radio America. Uh, they, they searched abnormal radio waves around the property. So they went and they were trying to see if there's any kind of like peaks in, in radio waves. Because if you know anything about waves, we have like the light spectrum waves that we see all the time. We have microwaves which heat up, but we don't see. And we have radio waves on the other end. So that's that's where we get blue Bluetooth, broadband, stuff like that. Okay, gotcha. This is where we get microwaves where we can like fry stuff, right? We're right in the middle where we see light, okay? So... <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> so educational. So they were coming in trying to see if there were anomalies around the house or on the property. Right. Uh, so similarly, the Long Island Lighting Company came in and erected an oscillograph to measure oscillations and electrical current in their basement. Mm. So there were three incidents occurring when the device was there, but it failed to detect any atypical vibrations with these events so they couldn't find anything while the events were occurring so they they kind of tried to prove scientifically that there was nothing going on with magnetism or radio waves or anything that could have been causing because you could you could do a radio wave uh and vibrate the wave enough to where it will make something move like glass can break i mean we know that through vocalization from people's voices or yes you know noise louder noises will make glass vibrate until it shatters mm -hmm. so they couldn't find anything with that like trent in the shower his <laughs> glass shower his singing yeah okay hit those high notes i know what you're thinking why am i in the shower with trent? i know How are why you wouldn't noticed? i be who do you think washes this man's back his wife Please. <laughs> you need to answer that now, Trent. <laughs> Somebody also suggested that there were streams of water flowing under the structure of the house and into a basin where they had likely frozen. Whenever an airplane passed overhead, it could have vibrated the ice below, which somehow sent an electromagnetic surge up through the house. Back. Uh, hang on. Uh, back under the Herman residence, shaking its foundations. This seemed very implausible at best to me. It's like, so this these people thought that there was a natural, like, aquifer under the house, right? Because we're talking the East Coast, so it's probably rocky, porous soil. Or not even soil, just rocky surface down below. Water was coming in, freezing in the wintertime. And then the vibrations from, because they were near an airport. That's another thing. Oh, and okay. they thought it was vibrating and breaking the ice up. And, and when ice breaks, it sends magnetism up. Mm -hmm. So it's like they thought maybe 
big chunks of ice were sending magnetism up, this all which would makes vibrate sense. stuff to make it pop up. Yeah, this actually makes a lot of sense. Science. Yeah, so it's... It, <laughs> But it seems implausible to me, like, because, like, why would it happen at specific The more times? you know, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. That okay, just sounds yeah, kind of hokey. But at specific times, like, like, wh- what do you mean by specific times? Because, like, why, because- aren't, why aren't they noticing every time they feel these vibrations or see these things, why aren't they noticing a plane going overhead? And if a plane's going overhead low enough to vibrate the soil below... Wouldn't they feel that elsewhere in their house? Wouldn't they be like, oh, there goes the plane, like a train, you know, like one of those movies where they're by a by a subway system that's shaking everything in their house Somebody and then it goes past. Uh, Why yeah. would they not notice any of this? Well, there's that, but I, I don't know. For some reason, I thought like if if it shook and like afterwards, if, if the soil had settled, but then it had shifted a little bit because it didn't settle like properly, yeah. it would it would cause that to kind of like you know, something would happen, but not to the vibration extent that you're talking about. Yeah. So, yeah. so that immediately went the went, went out of my mind. Yeah. So but, I okay. Know. So I see what you're saying. It is it is kind of weird. So on February 25th, a statue of the Virgin Mary was sent across the room. So apparently, they're noticing a lot of like these statues that went from Davy Crockett to now it's like the Virgin Mary. So like I don't know if it's. <laughs> scaring them more because it's a Catholic they went to David Crockett first, and then they're like, "Virgin Mary, we don't get out of here, get Virgin out of Mary. here." So that so they're like floating across the room. It does not say that flying. Oh, it just says sent say. across the room. Was the article I read? Because I mean, there's actually articles online you could read of this account, right? I'm just trying to think. Like, how would that still fall under the like magnetism? <laughs> theory like if stuff goes flying well i mean the one bottle popped up and then landed on the floor and then the woman saw the one go off the table and fly across i don't see how any like of that vibrations can be... from that would maybe scoot it across something but yeah. you're talking literally coming up and coming up and moving like jumping almost yeah so i don't see how that could happen or know. like the ship it didn't say it was like it fell and broke. It said it was smashed. So it's like something came in and just hooked it. You know, ooh, ooh, ooh. incredible bulked it. Incredible bulked it. Incredible bulked bulked it. Damn, damn it. He got you. Too slow. He got you. Too slow. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of like have you guys ever like uh, there's a, if there's a surface. Don't worry, I'm not gonna touch the table. If there's a surface and if it's a little like wet or damp and you put a cup there and, and like, it slides with water moving on its own. Yeah, the condensation. Yeah. So so there are definitely like scientific reasons behind shit like this and it just kind of makes me wonder like at this point again like I'm, I'm trying to be real here i don't know if i'm thinking like ghost or if i'm thinking like oh there's gonna be a scientific reason behind all of this yeah because the i get what you're saying like holy water and the virgin mary like these are obviously religious things and so. davy crockett <laughs> Excuse me, Davy Crockett, because you know a lot of hillbillies around the Midwest would say he's a religious right. figure. <laughs> he's a lord to me. So, yeah, I just I don't I can't tell if these without seeing it, it's hard to like, like yeah. just by the accounts like popping off of a table ten feet doesn't yeah. seem like just a regular scientific thing. But well, like I said, if you told me it was that box, that's one thing. But since it's the Virgin Mary, I just think that's very specific. Yeah. Well, maybe you that's just I mean? because they noticed that first. I don't know. I don't know what okay. it is, but, you know, it, maybe it tells a good story. Because re- remember, I'm reading these from secondhand accounts and newspaper articles. So it's like, 
what would you rather write about if you're a writer? You know, it breaking the Virgin Mary or, you know, Mr. Sud's shampoo bottle falling off. You know, nobody cares about that shit. Not that this might be a little too detailed. That's not accounted for. But like, is there other stuff? sitting near these things that maybe don't move? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if something's going to be affected by, it would affect everything in the area. Or is it just, like, certain bottles? Or is it, like, well, is there a book on the shelf next to the Virgin Mary that doesn't move? Yeah, that's, that's And I notice it's point. not saying anything about anything but bottles. I mean, I don't know or, why bottles, but I'm figurines. thinking, like, if a bottle is on a counter, surely they have other junk on the counter next to a bottle. Like, you think yeah. it would affect everything in that area. That's to my point, too. That's why I said I thought it was very specific that it was Virgin yeah. Mary... Like you've got this shelf of action figures here. If one random one just yes, did I'm a nerd. If it's a very impressive shelf, by the way. If it. if like just one of them randomly flew off, but nothing happened to the other ones, that'd yeah. be freaky. Yeah. But if they all kind of, if they all like were to vibrate or move or fall off, it would still be freaky. But at least you would be like, okay, obviously something's going and on. And what in that if area. what if Lucille's vibrator popped out of the dresser drawer? I mean, I would be like, shit, man. Little James. <laughs> That's little James Jr. Jr. Oh my god! All right. Oh, oh, oh I forgot god. the kid was James. I'm sorry. That's, that's wrong. <laughs> Gross. Jimmy. On? He's Jimmy. So that's okay. Okay, we're going on back on track. On Feb- February 25th, that Virgin Mary was sent across the room and smashed into a mirror frame. One proposed explanation was that a nearby well, a water well, had become unstable and was causing tremors. So the Seaford Fire Department. Sent a crew out to investigate. They found out that the well was in excellent condition. No need to worry. <laughs> we figured it out. It's so, the trip. No, this is the best well I've ever seen in my life. Well, well, well. Would you look at that? This is, you this just is built perfect. this? This okay. is amazing. Now we're going to get serious. Rub, oh, I'm rubbing my hands. Can you hear that? All right, here we go. Dr. Pratt and William, Dr. William Roll of Duke University. Oh, we're getting big boys in here shit. now. Dukes. Okay. Did they check the well? It was their parapsychology department. So they're already like studying like parapsychology in college at this point. So we're talking the 50s. They're studying non-explainable things with science. And what day are we on officially at this point? Probably a week or so. Yeah. How long? February 25th was the Statue of Virgin Mary. And would we start January? It was like early February, I thought you said. So it's only been it's going on for a, a month at this point. Yeah, somewhere, even somewhere, that. like okay. not even quite a month. January third. Oh, okay, you're right. So okay. it's a month. Yeah. So anyway, these uh, these two parapsychologists from Duke University heard about this activity and traveled all the way from North Carolina to help out. James Herman was becoming increasingly exasperated. And told them that he would take whatever help he can get. So he's he's tired of these fools and fire departments and religious figures walking in his house, praying for 10 minutes. He's tired of this. So he's like, you guys are actual scientists. Help me figure this out. So the two proved to be actually useful. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they noticed some errors in Inspector Tozy's report of the case. After interviewing Hughes, they learned that only one bottle topped over in the bathroom while he was there. So the initial report of multiple bottles or two bottles or more is false. So one bottle toppled over. Uh, the report also stated that Jimmy and his mother actually saw the never actually saw the bleach bottle leaping 
into the air and out of a box and crashed to the floor. But upon questioning them, they clarified that this was totally inaccurate. They just saw it knock over and spill. So we're getting some differences in like the story now. So are these guys point. actually helpful or are they just deciding to tell the truth? At this point? I think these dudes are trying to find the truth. So they're, they're even though they're parapsychologists, they're coming in with an analytical and scientific mind trying to find uh, discrepancies in what has been done so far. And then they're going to go from there. It feels sense? like they're changing their tune a little too. Well, actually, it didn't really jump. It more. Oh, you're talking about the mom and like the family. The family, yeah. yeah. But see, I don't know if like it. See, that's once again, it's it. We don't know if it's them saying that or the newspapers are saying True. that. Well, that's what that's I was going to say Because why all of a sudden, when the the uh, investigators uh, from Duke University come, would they just be like? Like you said, if they're like, so this jumped up. Well, technically it didn't do <laughs> yeah. that. Why wouldn't they have come clean before? Why come clean now to these well, guys? That's what I'm saying. So I don't now know if, I see what you're I don't saying. Know if they didn't come clean lost. before, it's the just getting lost in translation. Just yeah. proportion by uh, everybody else. So like, the report stated that Jimmy and his mother never actually saw this. Moreover, the Hughes swore that he had... Uh, Mr. Hughes swore that he had previously inspected the bathroom and seen the bottle standing upright. He had failed to consider the possibility that might have been tampered with after he had left the room. So here we go. The two noted that 12-year-old Jimmy was present for 50 of the 62 documented incidents. So there were 62 documented written down incidents from people's accounts. Jimmy was there for 50 of them in the same room that they happened Pratt and Roll wondered if the young boy was either doing them purposely, because now their theory is he'd been interested in science classes in school and had learned different ways to make chemicals explode. Well, I'll be boom. Damn, this took a turn. Uh, and also, they thought that maybe unconsciously, he if that wasn't the case, because they couldn't prove it yet, was he admitting any psychic energy to cause them to move or, or fall off shelves or explode? So they were thinking, because they were parapsychologists and they'd been working with psychics and people that, you know, could move objects supposedly with their mind in the past, blah, blah, blah. So they were thinking of that. Could he be admitting some psychic energy? Um, or RSPK, which is recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis. So that's really the term for it. And they said, quote, if correctly reported, they wrote the incident could not be explained as easily performed simple pranks. So everything that was reported to them, they were like, this probably can't just be him doing a science experiment and being a prankster. Some of it could, but some of it couldn't. So they don't know exactly how much is truth, and how much is fiction at this point? Like but if you put something in the shampoo bottle, exactly. causing like a re- reaction. Exactly, because most of this stuff was when he was near or in the room. Uh, the one policeman said, "You know, I'd hear footsteps if he did it, but like he could have snuck in the next room." I mean, we've all snuck in in our houses after being out all night. You know, we know that. <laughs> There's we a know that all snuck into people's houses, right? Yeah, I used to sneak right? out of my mom's house when I lived there when I was little all the time. We'd go uptown and hang out, you know? <laughs> so, anyway. Mom, uh, I hope you're not listening. It was now February. Please don't listen, Mother. <laughs> it was now February, and the Hermans were receiving around 25 letters and 75 phone calls per day. 
So this is how big of a story this was nationally. So this blew up within months. Yes. Some were suggesting that some were suggesting that the family was being plagued by what is called a poltergeist. The more you know, which is German for a noisy ghost. Poltergeist. Noisy ghost. So I don't know if you're planning on connecting it or not, but in the movie they kind of explain the difference between that and a haunting. Is that yes. just movie speak, something made up for the That's story? That's actually is... true. I looked that up. So go ahead and tell the listening audience what well, that is. Well, I can't remember the line exactly, but wasn't it like a haunting is more associated with a place, an actual house that a spirit either is stuck there or whatever, and then a poltergeist is more connected to a people? Is that right? Or is it the opposite? Or did I get it backwards? A haunting attaches to objects and people. Yeah. Poltergeist. Poltergeists happen in places, they said, but they okay. also the main difference My was bad. poltergeists can the right track. last for a short period of time and then disappear totally. Right, yeah, I remember Hauntings that. can last for years and attach them from place to place. Okay. So that was that was kind of the difference between they said in the movie between a haunting and a poltergeist. But if we think about it, and we'll we'll throw out some theories later on, you know, but like just keep this in mind. Like if you think of uh, different time and space continuums or, uh, you know, different portals to different dimensions. We don't know what some of that stuff that's out there that we we're going to be talking about extensively on this podcast. Uh, we don't know what what's out there for sure. But if you think about it, a poltergeist could just be something that's coming in to our dimension, interacting, we don't know how, and then just leaving. We don't know. It could, it could be those people in the future. Yeah. Screwing with themselves, it's you just, know, they just come in, pop the shampoo bottles off, and yeah. leave. Yeah, <laughs> I right, don't know. We don't. We don't one. know. So, I mean, who knows what it is? But I mean, poltergeists are supposed to, like you said, be temporary. Didn't you I tell like, them? Somebody turned the water on mysteriously. I think we need to go find the water. <laughs> I mean, I mean <laughs> bottles popping. I'm gonna go take a colossal shit. <laughs> Here's our sponsors. <laughs> Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. <laughs> All right. Once again, it was now February in the fir- the Herman's house, 25 letters, 75 calls a day. That's where we left off. Okay. Somewhere suggesting that they were being plagued by what's called a poltergeist, and that is generally a non-malevolent or violent prankster spirit from European folklore. So this is actually a spirit that plays pranks on people, and it's kind of violent in nature sometimes. Uh, some t- scientists who have contacted the family believes that the uh, poltergeists were real, but rather than being of supernatural origin, their activities stemmed from natural forces uh, that humanity did not yet comprehend. So some people were already suggesting the idea of other dimensions interacting with our dimensions or other worlds interacting with our worlds. And that's what they were seeing instead of them being ghosts or poltergeists that were here to haunt us. They were like two worlds kind of fading in and out with each other. Right. Crossing a plane kind of. Exactly. We're just like caught in the middle. Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen, I've mentioned this before, but interstellar with uh, Matthew McConaughey, that's about the same concept. Like, where yeah. he's traveling through time and interacting with parts of his life actually in the past and he doesn't realize it till the end well, of the Well there's movie. always there's always like fun theories that have to do with like not to like borrow from 
our other podcast, but we're big comic nerds, but like multiverse theories and stuff yeah. like that. And there's always like alternate dimensions happening simultaneously with ours. And so like what we're doing right now, like you said, there could be a dimension just beyond some mystical plane where we're yeah. doing something very similar. And maybe, like you said, maybe they're just going about their lives and somehow they break through the plane and yeah. it affects this. I mean, that's really even, trippy. And not, and, not necessarily human even. They could be other humanoid type people or yeah, aliens. I think even that's that, all really neat. I mean, it's a lot to kind of wrap your head around, so I'm not going to trip myself up too much thinking about it for this episode, but right. it is a neat theory to think about. Well, I, I mean, it's, like, I think it's oh, plausible if you think about haunt, haunt. I mean, ghosts could even be see. that too. Yeah. So it could be, it could be people from other planes like interacting with us and we're not, and sometimes maybe they don't realize they're interacting and that's why they're so confused, seemingly confused. When they see the ghost, like it's just walking around, and it's well, kind of like Stranger Things, like the upside down, yeah, mm-hmm. punching a hole through one side, and yeah, it goes to the other side. Like but. you're in the same like plane of existence, but at the same time you're not because like if I'm walking by this this pool table and this pole, and it looks exactly how it is, but in, in another dimension, it's covered in and stuff. And you I know, mean, the entire entire quantum physics and theory of relativity is based right. on this. So right, so holes and everything. So yeah, so I okay, so this is kind of what they're what they're thinking. Then. That's what they, they. I mean, that's one of their it's theories. The working theory, gotcha. I mean, they still have the theory that the little boy could be doing it and just playing pranks. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I just pictured him rattling off this big, long, like well thought out scientific explanation, like. Or Jimmy's just a dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of where we're at right now. It's one of the yeah. time travel. We're thinking wormholes. We're thinking you are a little fuck. <laughs> so while the two parapsychologists were there, hardly anything happened. So they kind of concluded that the atmosphere must have been neutralized. Uh, and, and by them being there, maybe they calmed down or scared Jimmy. I can imagine what that's doing to your eardrums right now. Yeah, we're going to have to do that over. <laughs> I would imagine that was the dog and not Nora running across the floor. It sounded She's like got a, paws. It sounded like a... She's like that doe-headed woman from Native American fol- folklore. It reminded me of like Bambi on the ice, just like... <laughs> that sound going across yeah. the floor. I was thinking of uh, the Darth Maul-looking creature from um, Insidious. Oh God! With his little oobs. Oh, that's another good example of like planes that exist on yeah, the same. Yeah, because like he was in. He was in like the same house and same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was in the same house, but in a different dimension. So he to could say. see, and he was like screaming for them. And they couldn't. They could sometimes hear him, right? But then they, more often than not, they, they could sometimes like hear him. And it's weird because like it, we're not even recording, are we? Yeah, we're recording. Oh, are we okay? Yeah. I mean, I so, didn't, we don't have to include this. So. So no, no, but it's the same because that you know that, and 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 one day we are going to dive into Insidious, but you know that that's based on like a true belief, right? That people can astral project mm-hmm. and leave their bodies and 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 travel and like fly and shit like that. Like there are people that claim that they they do all this stuff, 
Mm-hmm. So, so I've had that happen to me. I don't care what you guys say. Like, I don't know if it's actually real or it's. Just I'm glad I was already out. like these fake ass jackass people. Are gonna but no, like, like if you not ever like, like had have... an, if you not ever had like an existential crisis, like how real is this? Is it the Matrix? I, I I've have... actually been thinking to where I'm like sitting there and it feels like I'm out of my body doing something else. I had one experience like that once, and I won't talk about it now. But it scared the ever loving shit out of me, and it happened once, and I pray to God it never happened again because it was it was you're in the corner jacking off you're like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> no that'd be kind of cool actually <laughs> seeing I'm yourself in, jack off i'm actually yeah. into this yeah <laughs> you're watching yourself jack off and then you start jacking off, jacking off. Such... yeah then we're just fucking staring at each other and we have a we have a you know not like a like a stare off but it's like a jack off <laughs> this episode took a real a real nsfw turn <laughs> oh wow wow and love i'm just it. like i don't even want to wake up <laughs> all right so anyway <laughs> there's no transition for that just back to the story back to the story when they returned to north carolina on the 28th uh they immediately the activity of the poltergeist started resuming so it's almost like they they think that either they were neutralizing jimmy's uh psychokinetic like stuff mm-hmm. that was causing it right. and they calmed him down or like he just felt better with them there, and when he left, it like made him nervous again, and he started doing it, or he just went back to his pranks. Okay, so while many thought that the paranormal activity could be a re- reality, Doctor Osis, which is another doctor that pops up, O S I S, and another member of a parapsychology foundation, thought otherwise. Firstly, they realized that of the more than seventy reported incidents, none had occurred between the hours of one. And 6 a.m. when the children were tucked into bed. The second observation followed that whenever the poltergeist phenomena did occur and Jimmy was supposedly in bed, the event always happened either in his room or very close to his room. After looking into the boys' history, they established that Jimmy was a member of his high school science club, or his school science club in middle school, uh, where he might have learned some of the chemical reactions that I was talking about first uh, a while ago where bottles could possibly burst through these chemical reactions. All Jimmy would have to do is introduce reactive substances into the bottles and then wait after he scurried out of the room. The rest could be done by simple sleight of hand. Dr. Osis drew attention to a frightening incident that occurred in the basement with a 120-pound bookshelf suddenly toppling over, after which Jimmy was observed breathing heavily. So one of the 70 or 62 things was a bookshelf fell over and then they observed later on Jimmy breathing heavily. So he like me in the corner. He could yeah like <laughs> he was jacking off and he knocked the book. <laughs> it get, it'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> so Dr. Osis speculated that the child was engaging in a campaign of domestic sabotage motivated by an urge to rebel against authority and his Catholic father. On May 15th, Dr. Osis revealed his conclusions to the media, but they didn't take to this well because, well, let's just admit it, paranormal sensationalism sold better than easy explanations in their newspapers. It's true. So a 43-year-old stage magician named Melbourne Christopher, something like that, who is a master of sleight of hand, had suspicions about this poltergeist. The father would not let the magician study anything in his household, but the magician stated that he can replicate 
anything that happened in all of those stories. Um, really? That's what he said. Right. When journalists went to interview Christopher, they were plunged into a state of confusion as objects started flying around them and bottle tops began blowing off. The magician was showing that he could convincingly recreate what was occurring in their residence. Predictably, this didn't sit well with the, the people that were getting duped or showed that they were getting duped. So the public, due to the fact that it once again was not sensational enough, only had one small article in one paper about this magician doing it to multiple journalists. So they didn't even want to report on it, but there are accounts that he did it to multiple journalists to show them that they could it could be done easily. Like the bottles popping bottles off. popping off, things moving around him. Does he it go into detail it. on how he did it? It didn't it does not. It talked Damn. about him doing, you know, just magician's tricks, sleight of hand, putting putting stuff in the bottles to make them pop off. Pulling a bottle of shampoo out somebody's ear. We have here. So apparently he recre recreated it and kind of debunked it. They didn't want to hear it, so they just kept on saying it was a poltergeist. Um, the Seaford poltergeist was now a, a cash cow, <laughs> and no one wanted to bother with that. It was also a little revealing that nobody in the Herman household would take a polygraph test. So they asked them to take really? a polygraph test about these stories, um, in the end, nobody ever really proved anything about the Seaford poltergeist, and it ceased all activities on March 10th, 1958. So three months afterwards, it never resumed them again. So hmm. there's the story of the Herman family. So let's talk about it a little bit. What do you think? Bullshit? I think it's very convenient. I'm not going to say bullshit. I'm going to say horse shit. I think it's all horse shit. <laughs> no, I think it's very convenient yeah. after a guy like calls him out and says, hey, this is the explanation. This is probably what, how they did it because I could do the same thing they just did. boom, And there all the fucking lids go. And yeah. now, all of a sudden, they're not going to take a polygraph test, which, red flag for me. Yeah. And then on top of that, after all this comes comes like to the surface... It stops. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be honest you with you. You think the poultry guys are just like, oh, okay. Well, poultry guys can, can only, poultry guys sometimes leave after a short time. <laughs> just saying, that tracks, that part tracks. But, it, but, it's, but it's very interesting that almost all the occurrences were near and around Jimmy. He was yeah. a part of this science club that they'd already proven. All of the stuff that the magician did seemed like it scared the shit out of him specifically and the Duke University guys coming in and kind of messing with him. It's almost like he was like, hey, the jig's up. I'm going to stop this shit. Right. And maybe the family kind of knew it, and they were in deep. This is my thought. They were in deep at this point, and they were like, we don't want to look stupid, There's so no we're going to stick our now, story. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, uh, ghost, yeah. demons and shit. Yeah, that definitely sounds the most likely. Now, here's 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 the transition to our film. That was the most boring fucking story ever about a poltergeist. Because <laughs> all it, it essentially all just was just, it was a kid possibly popping some bottles. And even if it was a poltergeist, all they did was popped a few bottles and then broke a couple statues and knocked off our bookshelf. There was no harm, no foul. It's like a pouty teenager. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of boring. It, and it would scare you, obviously, but it's not scary enough to where you'd be like, oh, you know, there's a doll chasing me. It's just. Some bottles popping. It's no big deal. So yeah. what do you think? I mean, fake. I think it's fake. Bullshit. Yeah. I agree. Something I mean, scientific yeah. should explain it. I don't know. Or it probably was the kid. That seems like the most obvious yeah. thing. Yeah. 
using science or saying he's a prank. You know, it was, I don't know. How, how old was Jimmy? 12 or 13. Okay, so at that age, you're probably... You're middle really schooler. Science. You're kind of a little shit. You're pro- well, you're probably, you're probably smart enough to be able to pull off some... And I think kids back then were more inquisitive when they were like that. Like, I definitely think he probably had, you know, he was into science and into science kits and doing experiments. You know, kids nowadays, I mean, they just do everything online. But back then they had, you know, I had like little science kits when I was little that you could put chemical reactions. I'm a lot older than you guys, but I used to get stuff like that all the time. So, I mean, it is kind of weird. I mean, I know it was the 50s and... Things were obviously way different back then, but it does seem weird that I don't want to say it's a simple story, but something that wasn't that you know crazy took off the way it did. So do you think like his parents finally called him and was like, "All right, you need to knock it off." Like his dad's like, "Jimmy, stop popping the tops off the suave." Yeah, I think what you kind of said basically. I think he was probably messing around. It freaked the family out at first, and then it kind of got some attention, and then like you said, it got to the point where they were like. Okay, this is kind of embarrassing. We're into the, yeah. We need to kind and because I mean, like you said, why would they she, refuse? She was a former head nurse at a hospital. He's like they a, had a reputation. Probably works at an airport. Yeah, so I mean, former sergeant. You know, that definitely seems the most plausible. Yeah, and well, it kind is of boring. That the, the parents never knew, and Jimmy was just like, you know what, Ixnay on the yeah. And side note, but the polygraph thing, like if they were still in the dark, you'd think they would. Yeah, be open why to doing would they that. say no? Yeah, yeah well, you got just to prove that they weren't lying. Right. Unless they were just so offended, it's like, Ugh. Inspector Tozy is <laughs> got to be the worst inspector ever. Yeah. I mean, well, he was all about just, and why was he fucking in the house all the time? Like, go do actual crimes and shit. Like, why is he staying there all the time for, fair for, with the for wife. a couple of days? Well, I think, that they, I think the superiors... Uh, oh, Inspector Tozy, you're here again. <laughs> why are you in my bed? Didn't realize you were coming over tonight. Why are you pulling on your pants? <laughs> buttoning his shirt up. <laughs> Yeah, the vibrations—they just my belt just <laughs> popped right open. Little Jimmy came out. <laughs> the husband's like, I don't mean to step on any toesies here, but what are you, what are you doing in my bathroom? Wonk wonk. <laughs> All right, so on to Poltergeist. So this uh, this is the story, the quote unquote true story that imp- inspired Poltergeist. So let's talk about the movie Poltergeist because we just watched it as a group last week. Um, Steven Spielberg produced it, helped co-write it. And Toby Hooper of Texas Chainsaw fame, one of my all-time favorite horror movies, uh, directed it. So let's just start off by talking about the movie and uh, go from there. You, when you guys want to describe the movie? <laughs> Get on it, Trent. You're good at describing. I mean, the movie wasn't really anything like the story. I mean, it was a very little amount, but like there was no... Real bottles popping and stuff like that. Uh, no, that I recall. But, but there was some uh, shenanigans. The, the universal thing that uh, Darren was talking about with with there being different planes of existence. They definitely leaned into that with the portals. Yeah, that was kind of one of the main factors of it. I mean, I don't know. Do we need to? It's a classic movie. Well, do we need to run just, through the plot yeah, real quick? If I mean, you've never seen it. Go go back and watch it. It's on all kinds it's of. It's a classic. Your family's haunted type movie. It's they, about weird, a culture, guys. Spoiler but it, it was classic, but it wasn't classic because you think about it before then, like uh, the haunting and and thirteen ghosts and stuff like that, Vincent Price type movies in the fifties and sixties. Mm. This was totally different because it was mainstream uh, kind of America. It was like just there for it wasn't haunted house. It was your house. 
You see what I'm saying? Right. So that's why this movie, to me, was more special than movies that came before that, because they always had some kind of scary element to them already. This was suburb, you know? So like they, Steven, a newly built, like, you know, exactly. neighborhood. And I feel like Steven Spielberg back then, and probably still to this day, was so good at making a horror movie not a horror movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like now I, I would I would put this in the genre of horror, but it's really not your typical like suspenseful horror movie. No. Uh and again it went on the same route to me as Jaws did. Yeah. It was about you know, because at first like you never see these things. Yeah. There's there's the scene with, you know, her uh putting the chair the the uh, wife putting the chair down the kitchen and the chair flying across the room, uh, you know, they're like... What about the scene where they're stacked? That's creepy. Yeah. And they actually did that with, like, multiple stagehands yeah. bringing in a, you know, it was, like, glued together a bunch of chairs. It was a pretty That's quick cool. pan away. Yeah, there I was, was kind of wondering how they did that. One well, there's watching. no cutaways. That's how they no, did it. No, I know. They it took was very, all the chairs out. And it was only, in. like, a second or two that the camera yeah. panned and then was back. So it's not like... Great filmmaking. It's not like it looked over That was Toby Hooper's idea, by the way. So we're going to talk about that. You were talking about Spielberg making this film. There's a controversy, and you guys have probably heard about it. Did Spielberg make it and direct it, or did Toby Hooper? So some people say Spielberg did it because it had all his hallmarks of all his movies from that time. And other people said, no, 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 no. He had a hand in it. He helped write it. He helped direct a few scenes in it. But it's definitely a Toby Hooper movie. So I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go like ask you guys some questions about it because... If you look at Spielberg, you've got like uh, Goonies and friggin' E.T. and all that stuff before this. Jaws, obviously. He got into, once he created that blockbuster atmosphere, he Raiders, got into Raiders. Yeah. So he got he got to where he was like, uh, it wasn't before, it was right after this. Oh, well, right. actually, they were about the same time. 83? Oh, okay. What was Raiders? The first like Raiders was 80 82? or 81, I think. Yeah, so you're talking right after that. That's why he had so much clout. But they were, like I said, they were going through a strike at the time, or about ready to go through the strike. So he did not, he wasn't able to direct this and put his name on it. So some people speculate he hired Toby Hooper to direct and just kind of came in on set all the time and just basically directed it without directing it and putting his name on it. I don't think that's true, even though it has some Spielberg's hallmarks in it. It has the uh, fun little neighborhood, you know, Right. Kids, the big kids, part of, it. part of it, fun little neighborhood, definitely product placement everywhere. Definitely his buddy George Lucas is all over the place, right? Yeah, how much Star Wars stuff can you give me so we can <laughs> fill out this bedroom? So I mean, it was it had all that, but if you look at Toby Hooper's canon, this is how Toby Hooper was a part of it. Everything about Toby Hooper was taking normality and turning it on its head. So if you look at like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Even when like they were going to that house, the saw the Sawyer house, yeah, everything kind of turned on its head. Like things that should be normal was upside down, and he really plays with that. You know, like he has the armadillo upside down dead. He has the skeleton on the on the cemetery outside of its grave on top. You know, stuff like that, and a family that should be a family, but they're they're a family. In so much as they're all crazy and and they're all crazy together, oh, yeah. but they they flip that family dynamic on its head, 
and there's no escape at the end for an outcome of, of clarity or reality based, you know, Hey, this, you know, the good guy wins in the end. Spielberg was all about good guy winning in the end. Yeah. Every movie. Mm-hmm. Toby Hooper's all about, fuck you. This is going to be a mind fuck. <laughs> so you could see, to me, you could see influences of both. Because this is Toby Hooper's big blockbuster Hollywood movie for the first time. You know, he was no longer an independent auteur. Oh, yes, the auteur. <laughs> the auteur. And you could see Spielberg's hand in it. But definitely this movie, it had a dystopian ending. Like, there's no happy ending in this movie. Right. Their whole life is screwed at this point. And we still don't have a... To me, it was a satisfying, unsatisfying ending. Yeah, cause, I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, they, they obviously they had the happy ending in that they rescue the little girl and they all are reunited. But like you said, their home is gone. Their life is like... He lost his job. Uprooted now. They're they, they are in a crappy motel to end the movie, and it's just like that's it. It's like oh, now I know you said part two picks up what like right after, but obviously you know they didn't notice yeah. at the time that they were making it. So, so yeah, I mean it's in just little like little symbolisms throughout the movie, like the bird when she first sees the bird. The bird's supposed to be a cheerful like symbol, right? Right. As soon as she sees the bird, it's upside down dead, which mirrors. Texas Chainsaw stuff. You've got them burying the bird. The bird gets upended by a plow coming in, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> like there's all kinds of weird symbolisms, a safety of a tree that should be fun for kids to climb. And he climbs it at the beginning, but he's scared of it. And then it ends up eating him. You know, it's like all this shit just that was turns a creepy on its tree. head. Yeah. So, uh, it was a cool movie, but I'm going to go into some stuff and just like I did with Jaws on, like theories and backstories about what it could all mean. Okay. Now hear me out. When did this take place? 1983, correct? Who was the president at the time? Uh, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. Very conservative, but what did Ronald Reagan do with his economics? I I, I was alive. (laughs) I I was alive. I was born in 73, but I was young. But I remember that. 83. I was close to being alive. So we're talking about Reaganomics, trickle-down economics. So his whole thing was uh, take away, and a lot of Republicans do this anyway, like take away uh, kind of like checks and balances for banking systems and companies and letting them free will spend, not kind of free will spend, and the more money they make, the more it'll trickle down to the middle class, right? That's in what theory, tri- yeah. in theory, that's what trickled down. Like they're right. going to help out the middle class, create more jobs, blah blah blah. And by all accounts, you know, the early eighties was free will spending, right? And then we had some stock market crashing in the late eighties, eighty eight, eighty nine. So we had some trouble, obviously, mm-hmm. right around first Bush, older Bush, the Bush. Not to be confused with the same Bush from Jaws. <laughs> I'm sure some actually he's kind of like that. Bush too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting that the whole thing starts off. Let's think about this now. Like legitimately think about this. The very first scene okay. is television showing what? Uh, it was something patriotic. I remember. It that. was the closing of the the network for the night, and it was showing the national anthem with all the symbols, right? Yeah. 
And those symbols were not in crisp, clear focus. They were in pixelated focus on a TV screen. And then it goes off. Then it shows a family unit. Then it shows a community. Right? And it keeps on building up this idea of of community and family and patriotism and everything. And then all of a sudden this little girl gets lost in it. Right? She gets lost in the TV. So it's like Toby Hooper and Spielberg. I think it's more Toby Hooper than Spielberg. Spielberg was all about advertising, but he also liked liked to uh, get money, obviously, from that advertising, but kind of play on the pop culture side. And you saw that everywhere. But, or Spielberg did, but Toby Hooper was all about almost turning it on its head. He took that idea that Spielberg had in the script and made it a little slightly different. Oh, sorry. He made it slightly different in that who watches our kids now? Television. Who advertises our kids now? Television. Yeah. Movies. Even though they were both working in the film industry, Toby mm-hmm. Hooper's like, you got to be very careful with the way you look at politics, the way you look at advertising, the way you advertise what the American dream is. Because it could come back and bite you in the ass. Because he literally throughout that movie, they have pop culture references. But those pop culture references sometimes bite them in the ass. You know, like family units, the television, she getting sucked into the TV. And I know I'm maybe reading more into this than I should be. But (laughs) think about all that. Like it shows her watching static on the TV. Her mom's like, you shouldn't be watching that. It's hurting your eyes. Being a mother turns it over to a war film of people shooting each other in the face. (laughs) Right? Yes. And that's okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, all these patriotic symbols around, all these like pop culture things around. And she goes into the TV and they have to pull her back out to make her part of their family again eventually. They talk about the uh, the entire community that he's building on a graveyard, but it's like people don't give a shit about the great, the people didn't give a shit about the graveyard. They cared about the bottom line of money and selling. And he was the biggest seller. And like, they didn't even think about, you know, how's this affecting the environment? How is this affecting real people? Screw that. Let's just put in more houses and more additions that all yeah, look alike. We'll just, and they kept we'll, on we'll talking about the that. headstones. Exactly. And like and when he was the... selling to those people, they said something about like, well, you know, but I don't, I don't know how to get here because yeah, they all look I, like, I, he's yeah. like, that's the, you know, the grass is always greener on all sides. It's like, yeah. everything is all about how great America and the American dream is not realizing how it affects it. And you see those little symbols like the bird getting dug up because he was putting in a pool. Yeah. He didn't care about shit under the ground. Right. And it did, that was a precursor to what was going to happen later. It right. was digging up the grave, right? They were yeah. popping up because they didn't care about it. Not being respectful to the to the to the grave, exactly. Because it was and just a bird. The only reason I know about this is because I took a lecture on this in college. This exact movie in a film class I had, and the guy <laughs> I was, lectured you. Yeah, and this guy talked about. Uh, he said, "This all sounds like it could be a pie in the sky bullshit that I'm just making up here." He said, "But look at the symbolism, and then." the one thing that really shows that is when he's reading that book and smoking pot with his wife and laughing about their, you know, their, he's doing the diving and the, you know, before, after talking about him growing old and getting fat and everything. He was reading Ronald Reagan, the man, I noticed that the myth, right? So the symbolisms are all the way through to the very end. And what's the last scene in the movie? What's he do? They go to a holiday inn. 
pop culture. They show that. And then he throws out the TV at the very end right. and you back away as an audience and it pulls out. And it's like, maybe we should figure out, you know, before we get too big into this monster that is commerce and that is advertising and that is all these things that we think the American dream, it could consume us. It could like, well, there's that, and then the fact that his daughter got sucked into a TV, so that that would definitely put a. But I, I would never want to look at a TV after that, too. <laughs> yeah, right. So you're saying the message is, TV and commercialism is the enemy here. This movie is, or it a, could be. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of to me. That's that's a big, big thing. The the reason I think Toby Hooper had more of a hand in it because. Spielberg thought of those things and he helped write it, but I don't think he would direct scenes that would have that much much symbolism against pop culture unless he was doing it and didn't want to put his name on it. You know, and maybe that's the way he kind of thought. You know, he was anti-establishment a little bit, but I mean, it definitely works out for all those different references throughout the movie that you can see, you know, about nationalism and commercialism and, you know, her going to, I mean, it was a movie literally about poltergeists and ghosts, but like things coming back to haunt us if we don't respect them. If we don't look at our children as like, you know, these, these kids, we need to not only teach well, but we need to keep them from bad things. We need to, cause she felt like the mother especially felt like she was not a good mother. Cause she thought, you know, she She's not taking care of this kid. She's yeah, in the pool. She's right. drowned. You know, like all that stuff. Yet she was letting her watch war mil- movies and stuff on television. And well, I mean that that seems pretty legit. Feeding them KFC every night. Did you notice that? She didn't cook. She well, she did that, cook in that one scene. But well, that and uh, and uh, when when the daughter put on the helmet, and she said, "I'm hungry." She's like, "Well, we'll get Pizza Hut." Yeah, it was it was all about stuff that was. What has really, since 1983, become the family unit in the American dream? We're we're really in the mire of yeah. commercialism and pop culture at this point in our lives. Like we can't get out of it. So let's talk about meat and potatoes of this movie. Let's let's get into the deep dive of this movie. All right. Let's talk about how creepy that fucking woman was. <laughs> let's talk about it. The Munchkin Land woman. She was terrifying. She was. Imagine being a small child and watching that movie. Like, I mean, come on. That's, <laughs> I, I mean, we're grown men. And when she came on the screen, we were like, Ugh. yeah, it was uh cow to her. <laughs> welcome. You're all welcome. Come into the light. You said don't go into the light. You're all welcome, children. <laughs> Bitch is crazy. Yeah. I loved her, though. She might have been my grandma. <laughs> She's crazy. Loved her, though. I loved her. <laughs> I love creepy stuff like that, though. Like, part two had the... You haven't seen part two. You need to watch it just one time. It, it's got one of the grossest scenes in it. But it also has this creepy old man preacher who I think actually died of cancer after the movie. So it made him probably creepier. I don't know if, like, most of us make up, but he was a weird-looking old man. Have you seen well, that movie? I, uh, I don't know that one. I've watched uh, the second one. We need to watch it sometime. It's good. I'm okay with this. We'll do an episode on it. It's not great. It's good. <laughs> I was going to say, I, 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 no, I think I have seen the second. I don't think I've seen it all the way through because I think I didn't like it. I don't like how they they changed the storyline a yeah. little bit. Like it I remember you saying that I, you refreshed my memory by saying they 
drastically changed the dad. Yeah. The dad Maybe becomes I an alcoholic. Maybe I watch it because I heard of how bad it was. Yeah. Well, after what he lived through, it probably just drove him to drink all the time. Is that why you drink all the time? Is <laughs> <laughs> it the poultry guys? But yeah, it it uh, it definitely it definitely started something, um, a trend of like you know like the haunted house type thing and whatnot. Yeah, and, brought it uh, back because that. It was kind of gone after the 60s. Well, yeah, I was going to say... Exorcism movies kind of came about. So, not only this... Okay. Not only this, but... You... Darren, I know you probably know this. Trent, you don't know much about behind the scenes and what what they were going through on on set and shit like that. I would assume, right? Mm, for this movie no right so you remember the scene you probably know where I'm about to go with this with the clown at the end of the movie the clown and the little Mm -hmm. boy Mm -hmm. did you know that that clown almost killed that child (laughs) during this (laughs) filming it got wrapped around his neck and they couldn't get it off at first so I'm pretty sure Steven Spielberg himself had to come rip this thing off you knew that right yeah so that to me is already like that's a bad omen right there. My clown was doing its job of being creepy. Yeah, <laughs> that actually is uh, that scene right there is in AFI's American Film Institute's top one hundred scariest moments in film. Like along really? with along with Jaws popping out when Roy Schneider's feeding it, feeding the chum. Yeah, that scared audiences. This scared audiences when he came up and it just popped up all of a sudden. I knew it was going to happen because I've seen so many movies like that since then, but right. maybe 1983 people hadn't seen that many jump scares to that effect, you know, but that's considered one of the scariest scenes. Plus there's the whole thing of the phobia of people being scared of clowns. And I think that plays into it. You know, yeah, it's like, why would you even have that clown in your bedroom? Clearly yeah. that kid hated it with all star Wars stuff everywhere. Right. I, I was, I was, I was kind of here's like this life size little clown that's about your size. We're gonna set it in this rocking chair and it's gonna <laughs> stare at you every night as you fall yeah. asleep. You're gonna die, clown. <laughs> so, I'm pretty sure that was the little girl's clown. Well, either way, but I, she, she never acknowledges it though. The whole movie. That's true. She they really did share doesn't. a bedroom, didn't they? So that's, yeah. Yes. That's probably why. But still. So what about the uh, what about the myths of the uh, haunted or not haunted the cursed. Uh, kind of from this movie, the curse that kind of came with this movie. You've heard all about that. What do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, I don't know. The same, the same goes for like uh, The Exorcist. Yeah. Because like any movie like that, there's always a story that follows. And I get that, but at the same time, like nobody was haunted after the filming of Pineapple Express. So why is it like, only movies like this. I was high after Pineapple Express. Like you were haunted by the garage. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, like think about it though. Like, do you do you know any of the stories? Trent? You told me the one of um, you told me a couple when we were watching it the other day. Yeah. So Carol Ann, the little oh. girl, ends up dying after three, and she died kind of in a non-normal way for a young kid to die. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the middle child no the older child the girl that plays Dana or something like that something like that Dana she uh 
she didn't have a lot of role in this movie, but she actually before the right before the movie came out or three weeks after it came out, she had a ex boyfriend stab her to death and murder her. So Dang. that's kind of tragic. Uh, in part two, the Native American uh, that played played the main chief guy in that movie, he died. The old man found out he had cancer on set and ended up dying of cancer in part two. Uh, so like. The boy's still alive, and the father and the mother are still alive. But most most of the other people that are the main stars end up passing away. Uh, I think the uh, well, the dad went is, on to uh, coach at a very famous um, NCAA college, didn't he? In the TV show Coach, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was there only three of them? Poltergeist, I believe so. Uh, I was yeah, after, that remake. Well, I was going to say, after yeah. all the deaths, I can't imagine they would want to sign up to do a fourth one. <laughs> they wouldn't no. be able to get anybody. I'm not working on that movie. At what point do you just Let people die anyway, on the I last mean, three that you has, made? Has anybody seen the remake? And if it's Poltergeist, I wouldn't it know. eventually be called Hauntings because <laughs> it keeps on coming back? It's a ghost story yeah, at that point. exactly. It's not a Poltergeist unless, anymore. Yeah, I was going to say, unless it's a, a, at different places, but... Uh, it's a treat you haven't watched. Aaron, have you seen the Sam Rockwell uh, Poltergeist? I did. I did not like it. Was it not good? No. I've only seen I mean, it's very, of it. it's very by the numbers. Uh, I mean, obviously, it has updated like cameras and, and effects and stuff like that, so it's supposed to be scarier. So, but to me, it's just not as good. It, like, it did, it I'm not one of those guys that are sentimental, and I just like the originals better because I actually like the Evil Dead remake better than the original. Really? Even okay, though a lot of good. people hate that of I me. loved it. I, I agree with you. I like the remake better than the original. Yeah. I still love the original, though, and you're a guy that hates the original. Yeah, I hate the original. We're going to go all over that because like, yeah. there's some backstory I mean, to that. I, love, I, like, uh, I like two, and I love three. Oh, yeah. And I Our love the darkness. show, too. So uh, what else we got about this movie? Um <laughs> I can't tell if you're staring at me. You have a glare on your glasses. It looked like you're. There is a glare on his glasses. I can't tell either. He actually kind of looks demonic from that angle. There we go. Perfect. I can't can't read your notes. I can read my notes better, actually. Now he can't stare at us because he can't fucking see us. I'm I'm nearsighted, so I could actually read better, but I can't see your guys' faces. You guys would be (laughs) flipping me off. I wouldn't even know. Actually, it's probably better for you that can't see our faces. So, uh,. I don't know. We talked about, you know, just my ideas of what it meant. Um, but so in essentially it was just a ghost story, but it was a ghost story with like some heart to it. The characters were believable. I actually felt sorry for the family because at some point they were like, especially when they first went to the parapsychologist at the university, which kind of parallels the, the true story. Um, at some point, he went to them after it had been, and it was a quick cut from like the first haunting to them going into like talking to him. And then they come to his house. So there was some time gap there, obviously. And he, his eyes were bagged. He was just tired of it. He, he heard the his five o'clock shadow. Yeah. Going, it, it all like un, unshaven. And I really felt sorry for the family. So you felt some pathos for the family going into this. And then it was funny. My favorite, one of my favorite scenes is they're talking, the, the uh, African-American guy is like talking 
about seeing this thing move like eight inches across the floor. Of course, it was in time lapse and took over 12 hours to shoot. And he was yeah. like, but it's amazing footage. And he was like, oh, yeah, really? And then he opens the door and freaking the Hulk is riding a, a horse around and like a record player is like skipping. Yeah. And yeah, that I love that scene because it's like, you know, oh, you've seen something. Oh, take a look at this. Yeah. Because you don't expect to see all that shit when the doors open. No. Because there was stuff going on, but not to that extent. Yeah. And my my ultimate favorite scene, obviously, is is the steak maggot face peeling scene. And everybody talks about how First of all, schlocky that is, but it's still awesome. It's a really cool yeah, scene. But let's let's talk about that that guy. What a shit bag, man. You, you <laughs> go into somebody's fucking fridge at like eleven PM. And then you just take out one of their steaks, eat their fucking steak, and then you're man. just what you're just gonna th- you're just gonna sear it in a skillet. Yeah, what a cast iron skillet! You're just gonna break that out at fucking midnight. Yeah, a little midnight. They're snack. trying to sleep. And you brought this up. Harry had a piece it. of chicken. <laughs> just eat the chicken while eating the chicken. So on top of that, who the fuck does a raw steak right there on the counter like that? Oh my gosh, that bothered me. Yeah. It shouldn't have. And they really could have, they probably should have if they were doing special effects. They should have, because they obviously had to cut a hole in the bottom of the uh, tile to make it realistic and then push, I'm assuming, what looked like chicken gizzards and livers out. Mm. Right? They didn't look like steak anymore. So they were pushing it up through a hole. Um, Why didn't they just put it on a plate and just have a hole in the plate? It would have been, to me, more believable. I guess they wanted you to see it crawling, like inchworming. Or even like on a cutting board. Yeah, that was cool. They could have started crawling like a, yeah, worm. That was. It was really neat neat effect. But it's like, why would he put it on the? It's like, oh, maybe could just wipe it on my shoe and then put it in the. (laughs) And I'm almost willing to bet that when he got done in the bathroom, that he didn't even have the decency to put that thing back in the fridge. No, I don't think he cleaned up anything. He probably left that moment because they they really never said anything about him except he wasn't good. The next day she was talking to that woman. She was like, he's he was gone. one of the first to leave, which I can understand because that was a creepy fucking Just scene left his skin and everything all over the floor. <laughs> How many whose face skin is this? <laughs> I mean, it looked really, really cool and it reminded me of the <laughs> scene in Terminator. Would be like slits for the eyes, and you'd see a lip, maybe. It know. reminded me of the scene in Terminator where he cuts his eyeball out and everything. Yeah. yeah. So it was cool, especially for the time. But you go back and look at it, and it's kind of fake looking at one point, especially when it showed yeah, the hands at fake. like really weird angles. Like the ending was cool looking. Yeah. But like once he started peeling it, it was like his fingers are like this coming in. Yeah, it was. You didn't yeah. see that, but I was. Yeah. <laughs> I was it was perfect, guys. It. it looked exactly right. Oh, I I thought I thought we were in the scene. <laughs> I thought we were watching the movie right now. Darren accidentally clawed his own eyes out though. So now there was not there was not one single actor within the God. movie. Why did that scare me? I did not know there was somebody. <laughs> My daughter walked through and scared Ian because he's a pussy. It's true. I almost went to cardiac arrest. <laughs> <laughs> No, there, there, there wasn't one single actor in the movie that I thought did a poor job at acting. I thought this was one of the better acted like horror movies for the time. Script was pretty tight. It was interesting to watch, especially with all the weird uh, CGI type stuff. I mean, it wasn't true CGI back then, but like they uh, worked this out in Industrial Light and Magic, which was Lucas's pet project, right? Gotcha. So like 
Spielberg did a lot of that stuff, I'm sure. Um, but the acting was all like Toby Hooper, you know, getting these people's reactions. I thought it was really cool. It was a cool movie, especially for the time. It holds up decently well. I think kids nowadays would find it hokey a little bit, but, you know, I don't give a shit about what kids no, think I mean, nowadays. No, it does so. have that hokiness to it, but, what, like, what do you expect from a movie from that time? Frame? Yeah, like, you gotta Just look at it. enjoy it, yeah. Look at it as a historical artifact of great filmmaking, so. Yeah, I agree. Two hatchets up. <laughs> so what do you guys, uh, you guys get anything else on Poltergeist? Or no, the story behind I'm, it? I think I'm ready to lay this Demon to rest. I don't know where I was going with that. It's a poultry guy. Not demons, Ian. It's poultry. I'm these sorry. Are, these were people that were uh, abused, I would say, I'm and sorry. they were getting their revenge. It looked pretty fucking demonic at the end of that movie. Well, it, 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 it mentions that like those people walking through was not not the people. They weren't the poultry guys. It seemed like it was this thing they called the beast, and that's where I go back to once again. The whole story is about. You know, commercialism and and selling your children out to commercialism or your whole life, really. Because the beast is really, to me, it's what Toby Hooper was saying is going to take over. You know, if you don't watch what you're doing, these ghosts of the past are going to come up and bite you in the ass. So it was a haunting when it was all said and done. Really? Yeah, I don't feel like it was a poltergeist. It was taking revenge on them. Hmm. More of a haunting... All right, so that's the uh, kind of the backstory on Poltergeist and the story that inspired it. So I'm Darren. Trent. And I am Ian. And we're out of here. Like us on Facebook and Instagram and what else we got? Uh, Twitter. Whatever you kids are doing nowadays, you yeah. like us on it. You twit, you, you tw- Snapchat us, whatever. Whatever you want to do. You can twit us. <laughs> twit us. Snap us. Don't snap be scared twit. to twit. <laughs> I thought you were calling someone a twit. Yeah, a little twit. Don't you be a yeah. twit. Yeah, twit. Why I ought to... God, are you a little jerk before I slap you silk? <laughs> All right, we're out. In the dead of night, when the moon is high, and the shadows dance, the evil will rise. So now is the time to let all you know 